Good morning and welcome to our pre-recorded service for Sunday, May 9th here at Church of the Palms. We invite you to print the bulletin so you can follow along with our order of worship. We also ask you to find a quiet place so that you can worship with us with no distractions. We invite you even to light a candle so you can signify the presence of Christ. We're so glad you've joined us today. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. Let us worship God.
God judges the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. God knows all that we have done and all that we avoid. God is aware of our obedience to the way to love and our rebellion against it. We are invited to confess all that God already knows so healing and freedom can be ours in Christ Jesus. Let us join together in our prayer of confession. Ever-present God, we confess to you our unloving thoughts and deeds. We live by standards that we bend and break in our own favor while ignoring the commandments you have given. We find it hard to love everyone, for so many act in unloving ways. It is easier to treat people as things than to listen for their needs. We withhold ourselves rather than to offer lives, even for our friends. We hoard the gifts you entrust to us instead of letting them bear fruit for you. Cleanse us from these destructive ways freeing us to love as you have loved us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Even now, God is giving us victory over the limitations we impose on ourselves. When we trust God's love, we can emerge from the shell of self-protection to celebrate the joy of friendship in Christ. We can dare to show love that is not dependent on others' responses. We can serve without the need for recognition. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us now affirm what we do believe in as Christians. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into the heaven and sitted on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Communion, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to share the peace of God with one another on this beautiful spring morning. May the peace of God be with you.
Good morning and welcome again to this pre-recorded service coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida on this, the sixth Sunday of Easter. If you're here for the first time or here for the first time in a long time, we invite you to connect with us on Facebook or to visit our website where you can learn a lot more about who we are and what's going on here at Church of the Palms. Of special note may be the activities in the Palm Center. We had such a beautiful, mild spring, but summer is most definitely here, and there's all kinds of offerings in the Palm Summer to help us all stay healthy this summer in the heat. A few other uh, things coming up that are of note. In two weeks, we will celebrate Pentecost Sunday, and we have many special things planned for that joyous occasion. But if you happen to parlez-vous français or habla espanol or any other language, we're hoping you'll reach out to Pastor Lori. Uh, she's putting together something special for that morning's service, and you can reach her at El Haas, and that's L H. H-A-A-S at churchofthepalms.org, and she will look forward to hearing from you, and thank you in advance for sharing that talent. In addition, we wanted to make sure you knew that there is a new member class happening this coming Tuesday, May 11th, at 6.30 p.m. in the chapel, the chapel reception room. So that's in the chapel reception room, live and in person, on May 11th at 6.30 30 p.m. And at that time, you can explore with Pastor Lori what it means to be a member at Church of the Palms. And so we really hope that you might consider joining her for that. If that time doesn't work for you or you're not ready to come out and do that in person, please do reach out to Pastor Lori all the same, and she will be happy again to both walk you through membership and what it means. Finally, our Day of Hope efforts are continuing in preparation for the event itself in July. If you haven't had a chance to uh, send in your financial support or to sign up to volunteer, you're not too late. You can find information on page 15 of your bulletin, or you can visit the website or call the church office to learn more about, uh, again, giving financial support or signing up to volunteer. And there is a way to sign up to volunteer on the website. Today is Mother's Day, and we have a very special Mother's Day video for you to enjoy coming to you from the Palms Preschool Children. Enjoy. Um, to, to take care of their kids uh, so they can love us. Macaroni and cheese. 
chicken nuggets. A vegetable pizza that it makes you really strong. Meat. Hot dogs. And Thanksgiving. She wants flowers. That she gets to spend time with me. To My Mother, a poem by Wendell Berry. I was your rebellious son, do you remember? Sometimes I wonder if you do remember, so complete has your forgiveness been. So complete has your forgiveness been, I wonder sometimes if it did not precede my wrong, and I erred, safe found within your love, prepared ahead of me the way home or my bed at night, so that almost I should forgive you, who perhaps foresaw the worst that I might do, and forgave before I could act, causing me to smile now, looking back to see how paltry was my worst compared to your forgiveness of it already given. And this, then, is the vision of that heaven of which we have heard, where those who love each other have forgiven each other, where, for that, the leaves are green, the light a music in the air, and all is unentangled, and all is undismayed. Oh, 
Let us pray. We come to you today, O Lord, with a heart filled with gratitude for all the blessings you shower us with in this beautiful month of May. With spring in the air, we see the beauty of your creation. We see signs of new life everywhere, a reminder of your tireless work through the ages, a reminder that life always continues onward. Spring brings graduations and new beginnings. It brings the end of a season and excitement as we make plans for a new one. We pray this spring will bring the end of this pandemic. We acknowledge on this day the mothers in our lives and recognize all the emotions that may surround motherhood. We give you thanks for the women in our lives that have influenced our being from our early years. We pray for comfort for those who miss their mom today, whether they are separated due to COVID restrictions or because they have left this world. We pray for the mothers who struggle in their role, who might have had to make difficult decisions who may not feel close to their children at this moment. Bring them reassurance and hope. Remind them that they are loved. We pray for the mothers who have experienced loss. Fill them with your peace and ease their unimaginable pain. We pray for the women who would love to be called mom, but are unable to conceive. Fill this emptiness with your riches. Give them peace and courage. We pray for the tired mothers who have endured more hardships than expected this year with the demands of COVID. We pray for the mothers who are separated from their children due to political injustices around our world. Reunite families, give them a life without oppression, without fears, without anxiety. Empower the women who are nurturing children through adoption and fostering, through teaching, tutoring, 
through their gift of time and their abundant love. May they feel celebrated today as important members of the village that is needed to raise a child. Place your touch on everyone who is suffering today so all may experience your gentleness in their trials. Give us patience as we transition slowly to the life we used to know. May we all continue to care for our neighbor as we are eager to brush away the memories of this past year. We pray for the leadership of our church, that they may continue to see those in need and that they may feel renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Make your presence known for those in power in our country, that they may lead their people with wisdom so we may all prosper peacefully. We pray all this in your Son's name, who lived and died for us so that we could have life your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we have seen the work of your generosity firsthand throughout the years. This body of Christians has been giving with open and generous hearts so that we can serve many locally and globally. Wonderful plans are always being made because you understand the need of helping our neighbors, and for that we give you thanks. The ways of giving are listed on your screen. And again, we thank you for your joyful and giving hearts.
Let us pray. Lord God, we dedicate the gifts of our people to you with grateful, cheerful hearts. Thank you that you meet our needs on our journey, providing what we need when we need it. We trust you, and we know we can share what we have with others because of the gifts of our people, and we do it joyfully together. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi again, it's Miss Sarah. I'm very happy I get to do the children's moment today. Well, I'm always happy when I get to do the children's moment, but I'm especially happy today because today is Senior Sunday. And what that means, that doesn't mean people over 50 or 55 or whatever it is, it means high school seniors. And today is the day when we see the students from our church who are graduating from high school and we celebrate them and send them off into their bright futures. And it got me thinking a little bit, thinking about these students from our church. What is the church anyway? And I wondered what you might say if you were here. What is the church? And I thought, you know, they might say the church is a building, like this wonderful one Mr. Thompson made, or like this beautiful sanctuary that we worship in. And that's true, but it's kind of the little C church. The buildings are important, but they're not the most important thing. And then I thought maybe you would say, the church is important, wonderful, amazing, one in a million people like Miss Carol. And that's true too. The church is full of people. And so it's about people and it's about buildings. But here's the thing. The church is really bigger. It's bigger than buildings and it's bigger even than people, even wonderful people like Miss Carol. The church, sometimes people call it the body of Christ or the people of God. But the way I like to think about it, I love to think about it, is the church as God's family. That Jesus makes us one family. And what that means is that you and me, we're family to each other. And those students, these students that we get to celebrate and cheer for today, well, they're our family too. And how wonderful is that? to get to be a part of God's family and to celebrate and clap and scream and yell for these students who are our family as they go out into the world to share their gifts and share their love of God. So I'm gonna show you a really short video about them from when they were really little, like babies, up until about today. And when you're watching it, I hope that you might stand up and cheer and clap your hands for your big brothers and sisters.
Let us pray. We know you love all your children, and we're so grateful that you love us. Help us to never forget that the church is more than a building or a person. Church is Jesus' family. And for the church and its children, we give you thanks. Amen. So, now that we've had a chance to see them grow up before our eyes and celebrate them a bit, I have a very important opportunity for the grown-ups in the room. So listen up. You have an opportunity to be a part of these students' families in a really important way. You can be for them an angel. That's right, I'm asking you to be an angel. And what that means is as they go off into this next chapter of life, you can be a palms angel. And palms angels are connected to one of our graduating seniors, and they just stay connected with them next year. And they send them texts or loving notes, maybe a care package or a gift card. And it's all really important because, you know, Pastor Lori and and Miss Carol and all the pastors and staff here and their parents have been really working hard to build in these students a sticky faith so that when they go off to school, they don't leave their faith behind. And by being a Palms Angel, you get to be a really important part of that in a critical time in their lives. So I hope you might reach out to me and you can work with me as we seek to remind them that they're never, ever alone. And so please give me a call or send me an email and we'll explore whether this might be a good fit for you to be a Palms Angel for one of our graduating seniors.
Well, one more item of business before turning to the reading of Scripture. We are encouraged by the increasing numbers of people who are getting vaccinated and the decreasing number of those who are being infected by this virus. So we're planning on taking a couple more steps further in returning to our traditional worship life. First, starting on June the 13th, we will be introducing singing back into worship. We will still require masks to be worn, but we think it's now time to start making a joyful noise to the Lord. I think that's what we'll call June the 13th, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Sunday, you will get to belt out your favorite hymns here inside the sanctuary. Also on June 13th, we will be shifting our live stream worship to our nine o'clock Sunday service, which means we will be bringing to an end our pre-recorded service and give our TV team and others the chance to get their th Thursday afternoons back. So those of you who watch from home, you will get to see a live live stream and you will get to see pews with people in them. What a concept. We hope and pray that soon after that, making those changes, that we can maybe even take the next step and move to a mask optional environment, but not quite yet. We are most certainly though looking forward to that day. You all have been incredibly patient while we have waded through these uncertain waters. We feel like the opposite banks of the Whitewater River are in sight and we will be grateful to arrive there safely. So today marks the second in our three-part series in wondering about the fruit of the spirit of self-control. And we've been pondering the story of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. It's an interesting thing to think about, I suppose, Jesus being tempted, which I suppose means that Jesus was on the brink, on the verge. Jesus was experiencing this pull on body, mind, and spirit to do something that maybe a whole big part of him wanted to do. Jesus really wanted to turn those stones into loaves of bread. He could, he could taste them, and he could probably come up with all sorts of good reasons as to why that would be a good idea. A man who hasn't eaten for 40 days could not be blamed for doing a little abracadabra if it meant getting a little food inside his body. Sometimes our physical desires have a deep spiritual dimension to them that we are loathe to consider. A recovering alcoholic knows that her thirst for a drink has less to do with quenching her dry mouth and more to do with what is going on inside her soul and psyche. A young man wants to spend speed down the path of sexual encounters without giving much thought to the spiritual dimension of physical intimacy. Temptation is real. We face it every day when we scroll down the Amazon site or see on Facebook the latest, greatest thing our friends are experiencing. And, and so Jesus begins his ministry facing into this deeply human condition of wrestling not just with what the devil dangles before him, but with what is going on inside of him that needs attending to. Why is it that I think I must have this? And do I know myself well enough to know if I really, really need it? So our two lessons today come again from the Gospel of Matthew. The first is Matthew's account of the second temptation put before Jesus by the devil. And the second Matthew account is of the temptation put before Jesus by the audience at the cross. 
So to begin, Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then our second text is from Matthew chapter 27, verses 38 through 44. Then two bandits were crucified with Jesus, one on his right and the other on his left. And those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. We trust in God. We'll let God deliver him now if he wants to. For he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I read somewhere a while ago about a Native American woman who was a jewelry maker. She made all sorts of beautiful jewelry, rings, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and, and her trademark was a blue bead. Whatever she made, she included within the design a blue bead, regardless of whether it matched the rest of the, the design, and particularly because it did not match the rest of the design, she would place inside every piece of jewelry a blue bead. She said she put it into all of her jewelry to remind her and to remind the wearer that nothing is perfect, but all things are beautiful. Nothing is perfect, but all things are beautiful. When twins John and Greg Rice were born across the state in West Palm Beach back in 1951, the doctors had news for their mother. Her baby boys were dwarfs. They would never grow to be a normal human height. Within hours, their mother abandoned them. Eight months later, the boys were adopted by a lovely couple who loved them as the precious creations they were. And when they got old enough, they could see that they were different, these boys. And when the kidding and bullying started taking place in school, their adoptive mother pulled them aside and said to them, you know you're different, but you need to see yourselves as a couple of dimes in a handful of nickels. A couple of dimes in a handful of nickels. Nothing is perfect, but all things are beautiful. And it all depends on how you choose to see yourself. 
I've been spending the last year or so during our little pandemic season getting interested in birds. I've started this way too late in life, and some have said that it really actually is a mark of getting old when you start getting interested in birds. Whatever the case, I found myself spending more and more time walking around and looking at birds, taking pictures of birds. Now, the, now the one thing birds are really good at is being birds. And in particular, being the kind of birds they are. A bald eagle is really good at being a bald eagle. A great heron is really good at being a great heron. A black-bellied whistling duck is really good at being a black-bellied whistling duck. And it, and it doesn't appear that they really want to be anything else. The brown pelican doesn't appear to be looking over at the snowy egret and saying, man, I wish I had that neckline. The red-winged blackbird doesn't look over to the red-shouldered hawk and say, geez, I wish I had those wings. No, they just kind of do what they were created to do, and they give absolutely no thought to the idea that they're being looked at. And if they knew they were being looked at, they'd probably say to an old man like me, geez, get a life. And off they go, just being good at what they are, being birds. They are who they are, nothing perfect, but all things beautiful. So Jesus has just been baptized by John in the Jordan and has received the blessing of the Father. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And he's been led now by the Spirit into the wilderness. So what is a devil to do? Well, what the devil can do is that he can put it into the mind of the Son of God that somehow now he has to prove that he's the Son of God. It's not enough for you to be the Son of God, Jesus. You have to prove that you're the Son of God. And, and not only do you have to prove that you're the Son of God, prove that you're the Messiah, but you have to be the kind of Messiah I want you to be. If you are the Son of God, well then jump off the corner of this temple and show me how the angels are going to catch you, because that's the kind of God I want you to be. Not, not the suffering servant, not the healer and miracle worker, not the great instructor of love. No, no, I need for you to perform some circus tricks, because that's the kind of Messiah I want. Beauty is not in the eye of the one beheld, it is in the eye of the beholder, the devil says. Which I suppose is what the chief priests were saying too, thinking that they had Jesus right where they wanted him, strapped up on that cross. Okay, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, then jump down, which, which may have been the greatest temptation of all. I mean, nothing more a rabbi might want to do than to impress his superiors, but, but it isn't who Jesus is. He will no more jump down from that cross than he would jump off the pinnacle of the temple 300 yards down the pathway. Why? Because up on that cross, Jesus is being the Messiah he was always supposed to be. Jesus exercises self-control because Jesus understands himself. A key element, isn't it, to self-control is knowing enough about yourself to keep others from making you into something else. Here's my blue bead, and as much as you want it to be a red bead or a green bead, it's a blue bead, and it ain't perfect, uh, but it's beautiful. 
I've shared before how drawn I am to the French Impressionists, these 19th century artists who formed an entirely new school of painting focusing on strokes and dots of light and color that create an impression of an image. Monet, Renoir, Degas are the household names of that movement, but Camille Pissarro was the grandfather, the pioneer, the trailblazer. Alice Hoffman in her wonderful novel, The Marriage of Opposites, reminds us that when Pissarro was young, his father owned a shipping business, and what his father wanted Camille to be was a businessman. He wanted him to start working on the cargo docks and spend his life working up his way at the company ladder and follow in his footsteps. Yet, you are Camille, but you can only be the Camille I want you to be. But Camille was an artist, so when he wasn't working on the loading dock, he was stealing away and painting. Every moment he got, he painted. Finally, Bassaro confronted his father and said, Father, I'm not a businessman, I'm a painter. And he left home and undertook the thrill of hope and the risk of outcome. And, and the more he embraced himself, the more str the strange sort of painting came from his brush, these dots and dabs of strokes of color and light. And now the wrath of his father had been taken over by the wrath of the arts community. What is this ridiculous painting, they asked, these dabs and dots? But the dabs and dots continued because it was the artist he had been created to be. And eventually the jeers turned into the cheers. When also, and then when asked late in his life about the journey, leaving the family business, disregarding his father's plans, choosing the life of a pauper, incurring the wrath of the chief priest of art, Pissarro responded, what I've been through you cannot imagine, and what I'm suffering is still terrible. Nevertheless, it seems to me if I had to begin it over again, I should do precisely the same thing. Nothing is perfect, but all is beautiful. In the tumultuous years, Following the Civil War, a movement was afoot in Congress to impeach Lincoln's successor, Andrew Johnson. Articles had been drafted in the House, and the trial commenced in the Senate. And when it came time to vote, uh, the pre-polling of the senators determined that there was one vote shy of conviction. One undecided senator remained, Edmund Ross from Kansas. The fate of the president from the opposite party was in his hands. In the eyes of his party, if he was a senator of any worth, he would vote the party line and convict the president. But Ross was who Ross was, and he knew that constitutionally there was only one thing to do, vote against party and with his conscience. Later, Ross wrote, it was a tremendous responsibility. It was not strange that he upon whom it had been imposed by a faithful combination of conditions should have sought to avoid it, to put it away from him as one shuns or tries to fight off a nightmare. I looked down into my open grave. Ross kept hold his blue bead, voted his conscience, saved a president, and lost his seat. If you are the son of God, then be what I want you to be. If you are a painter, then paint the way I want you to paint. If you're a senator, then vote the way I want you to vote. If you are whoever you are, then be whatever I want you to be. For the devil says, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, but not, saith the Lord, beauty is in the one beheld. 
you've all heard of the value of a $20 bill, a crisp, clean $20 bill, a brand new $20 bill. What's it worth? It's worth $20. And then you crumple it and crease it and maybe even tear it in places, and it looks not much like that crisp, clean, newly printed bill. But what's it worth? $20. I'm a penny collector. And coin collectors will tell you that the coins that are worth the most are the ones that are printed imperfectly, minted imperfectly. My double-die 1955 Lincoln head commands a higher price because of a, of a mistake made when the die struck it twice. Beauty is in the eye of the one beheld and not the beholder. A couple of dimes and a fistful of nickels. Charlotte Elliott was a young woman who had the misfortune of being struck by a crippling illness that left her unable to walk and to be about the things she most wished to do, especially to join her family in the work of the nearby church of which they were a part. Her blue bead was a hard thing to bear, and it led her to melancholy and wistfulness. And she recounts one day, watching her family go off to another special program at the church and once again being left behind. Who was she, really? What worth could be found within her? Down the hole she began to slip. But her gift of poetry saved her. If she was nothing else, she was a poet. And in the gloom of the day, she put pen to paper and wrote, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, Fighting and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. We are who we are blue beads and all, not perfect, but beautiful. For beauty is in the one beheld and not the beholder.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.